there. Welcome to Interviews on Between the Pieces, where Tank and DPS go to protospiels, other conventions, and talk to prototype designers and figure out where they are with their works in progress. All right, so here we are again at Protospiel October Online. We are here with Bill. Bill, what are you doing at Protospiel? Oh, everything. Protospiel is awesome. I love Protospiel. Um, playing games, promoting my own games, just hanging out in the coffee chat. Last night, we had some great discussions in there just about games. You don't have to play games to get inspired and hang out with people and learn all about gaming industry and how it works. Lots about shipping we were talking about and running Kickstarters. Yeah, if I remember right, you had an interesting history into how BS Games got started. You want to give us a little bit of background on that? Yeah, BS Games. So let's see the deep history. So always been in love with games. Games Workshop is a big part of my life as a teenager. And then I went and worked and helped uh, uh, set up Games Workshop Canada. And while doing that, my now longtime friend, but at the time, Scott Kelly, he came on board. And uh, yeah, we started to make, uh, with my graphic design background and art background, and his writing and love of... um, love of comedy i guess and uh puns he's a pun master so we made it like a joke magazine based on games workshops magazine we handed it out at the christmas party we put fake games in there we made games at like conventions that weren't official games workshop games but little side games with like i don't know like a goblin racetrack or something or uh just <laughs> weird little side games like uh, i don't know betting on squigs and who's gonna win in a pit fight or something oh, right? like, just just silly little games workshop stuff that we turned into wackiness and they let us do it at conventions so 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 far the and convention's stuff. been pretty productive this convention's been great yeah i've had uh, one play test where i never actually play test the game we were going through the huh. setup and uh, the the sort of teach of it and the questions just kept coming it was only two of us so i was like yeah you can ask me questions anytime you don't have to wait and uh, we just talked, talked, and talked. I got so much feedback, but we never actually played the game. That's amazing. Get Every- a ton of feedback without actually moving any pieces. <laughs> it, well, it was weird. Like, I'd set up an example or something, and then he would spin off on another question, and then that would just rabbit hole us into, but, oh. So one side of me was a little bit like, he might have got more if we played the game, and some of the questions might not have had to happen. But overall, like, his enthusiasm and the feedback I got was just, like, so good. So I, it, it's always been something I know we've told people is that the amount of feedback you get is really kind of showing you one how much that person cares about seeing your game succeed, and it's them giving you their time. That is a real honor in some cases. It's just like they're sitting there talking to you and they want your game to succeed. That's really cool. Oh, totally, totally. And I go over time and I apologize. I'm like, no, 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 we can talk about this one last thing. And then the one last thing thing can go another yeah, We've been there before. <laughs> I say I want only an hour of your time to play this game and it might be a massive cover the table game. And then we get to that last round. It's like, why are this last round, guys? And they're like, well, can we just go, what, like one more? Just, just one more? Just one more round. I, I just want to do this one thing. <laughs> so what game were it's you playing? A, so that one was uh, From the Mist, Battles in Between. Okay. Um, it's a big, uh, well, like I said, my history with games, workshop games, right? But mm-hmm. more recently, I'm playing more board games, say the last 10 years or so. Uh, still love miniature games, but don't play or collect like I used to. 
So this game kind of fits a niche where it's a little step up from board games, more pushing towards a miniature game, mm-hmm. but it's still more board game light. So it's that ground in between, not a miniature battle game and not a board game. Not dudes on a so map, have... but not roll and move. <laughs> right, right. It's like hog like little cardboard uh, circular discs, and that's got the stats of the characters on it, and okay. you move around the board that way. So, so it's more, um, it's more of like a tactics game. Yeah, tactics and well, it's fun because my artwork's really cartoony. Awesome, uh-huh. but it's definitely fantasy, definitely fantasy, and definitely tactical. I don't want some people get lost because they say, "Oh, I see this cartoon, and I think it's a lighthearted, fun, silly little fantasy game." And it's, no, it's not. But it's not. <laughs> what do I say? I say it's dark like Dark Crystal okay. or Secret of Nim. Okay. Not dark. Not dark like. Um, the grim darkness of the far future uh, games workshop. <laughs> that, that can get pretty dark. I mean, they're getting lighter these days where they're marketing for a younger audience and they keep those parts of their company lighter, but you can get really dark with the games workshop stuff. Yeah, so, yeah you can. As an artist slash designer, because which is that, very rare. <laughs> well, and it's also what you're talking to over here is it's almost kind of a odd mirror image where I'm more of the Scott over here and she's more of the Bill. That's so awesome. What like at what point do you step in to be like, okay, we're at the point of art, or do you try to hold yourself back as long as possible to try and save yourself the time and the changes that can go into it? Yeah, you're supposed to hold yourself back and and stop. And Scott tries to uh, discipline me on that, and in many cases he does, but I'm I do it backwards. Like from the mist, I design all this stuff and make it look so cool. And we play test it and it works for like, you know, maybe a month or, and then it goes into a big change and, you know, all that artwork and time is, is lost. So it could be time better spent, but in but one side of it, enjoy. it's therapeutic and I like it. So well, it's, I mean, I'm okay with it. How, how long have you been working on this? The From the Mist one, mm-hmm. what's this, probably pushing four years maybe? Wow. Oh, so this Three, is a labor of love you got years. going. Well, I say that, but then, you know, life gets in the way in some parts. And then um, mm-hmm. we released our first game in January, uh, Math Magician's Duel. So that took up a lot of time. Uh, that's Scott's baby, but I did all the artwork and graphic design for it. And that's more his game. I mean, I helped play test it and I definitely have input there. But mm-hmm. um, that's a wizard card dueling game. Nice. And uh, you cast your spell by solving a simple little math problem. Oh, just a simple it's- little. Just, just, yeah, just like, throw math it's, around. It's just plus and minus. It's just plus and minus. You have plus and minus cards in your hand, and you're playing them to try and solve the parameters of your spell. That sounds and, pretty neat. Uh, yeah, that is neat. You, can, you play a card on yourself to progress your spell, but if you want, instead on your turn, you can play a card on your opponent because you think, oh, if he has a two, he's going to get a spell cast. So oh. I better play on him. You don't know he has a two. You're just guessing, right? Or you'll play a minus on him because you know that he needs a plus, right? I like using that to screw people. (laughs) (laughs) But the problem with that is when you play on your opponent, you're not progressing your own spell, right? So you can play, like, younger kids like to just take that to their buddy, right? Ha-ha, I played on you. Ha-ha. And they do that for four or five cards, and then they realize, I'm never going to win this game because I'm not playing on my own spell. Yep. Yeah. So with the the game you're currently working on... um... What's some hurdles you've encountered while designing this game, and how did you overcome them? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, hurdles. Well, I was struggling with um, 
I would give people one action because I wanted everybody to be engaged. I don't like those games where, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom, and then when I come back, I'll take my turn, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I gave people, you can basically do like one or two things on your turn. And it was really slow, mm. really slow. Like, not analysis paralysis, but you get that one action, and you think about what to do with it. And then when it comes around to your turn again, you get one action, you think about what to do with it. So at one of the, I think it was Proto TO in Toronto. It's kind of like a Proto Spiel. Yeah, we almost um, went to that one. <laughs> uh, I've only missed one. It's so great. This year, of course, not having it, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it was there. I had a play tester, and he said, "Just give the first player four actions, and the second player five actions, and the next player six actions." That way you take care of, you know, first player advantage and uh, they don't have to think as much each individual turn taking up, let's say, you know, two or three minutes each turn. And it totally worked. Like it, it cut the play time right down. Like, awesome. Even oh, if it was yeah. a little longer because they had four actions, a little bit longer, it was still nowhere near four times as long. Yeah, because uh, like, I, I you were probably running into the not, not the analysis paralysis of what do I do with my actions. You, you're running into the analysis paralysis of there. What do I do with my one action? What's the most effective? What's the most effective thing I can yeah, do with this right. one action? You defined it perfectly. I, 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 I know in my head what happened, but that defines it. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, so now we played with that for quite a while. I liked it a lot. And now I'm using a, a whole different system, which, uh, it's initiative based. So you you get a certain amount of initiative for how many pieces you have on the board. So let's say I have four characters on the board, four troop types, and I get two each, so I have eight initiative. So at the start of the game, the other player probably has four characters, they're gonna have eight initiative as well. So you're tied, because initiative determines play order, right? It's like mm-hmm. who goes first. Mm-hmm. So you bet initiative to see who goes first. It's blind betting. Nice. If you tie, <laughs> you bet again. And uh, uh, if it's a tie on the third one, then it's a random. Uh, we don't have dice in the game. We use uh, these fate tokens, which we use to keep track of your initiative as well. You drop them, and whoever gets more check marks, because one side's check, one side's X, mm-hmm. whoever gets more check marks will win ties. And we use that a lot in the game. And it's also how we. It's basically our dice mechanism, yeah. but it's not dice. It's, uh, well, it's, it's a two-sided a sided die. Shh, don't it tell is. people that. <laughs> it's, it's a two-sided, two-sided die. die. In a creative way. So, <laughs> it's funny when you have to do tie-breaking mechanics, how far down that rabbit hole you go. Well, depending on the game. Like, yeah, that is like, can you tie now? Yes, you can. So really, we need another tiebreaker. What or if they tie tie-breaker. again? <laughs> and it's just like, just go get pizza. <laughs> you all win but this weekend though i came up well maybe a little bit before the weekend but i kind of finalized it so initiative is not just spent on turn order initiative you spend to take your actions as well okay oh, so i want to take an action i spend my initiative i like dual use i want to take another action it's at plus one and i spend my initiative i want to take another action it's at plus two so each action you take is costing you more money or more yep. initiative points but initiative points also does turn order right yeah. So, yeah. and if you wait, your actions are going to cost you less. But if you wait, you're saying 
I'm giving an opportunity for my opponent to You've do whatever they want. You've opened up that space for the players to limit themselves rather than you limiting the players. So you got to debate that. There's the whole yeah. yin and yang of do I just spend and take. spend and make it all expensive for me, but they don't get a chance. But then at, when it's all done, they're going to have – they can do whatever they want, right? Mm-hmm. Full reign. So there's that yin and yang going on. And then any ties in combat, even if it's tie in combat, it's all done by bidding with initiative again. So it all comes back to the initiative. So I I know there's a a bunch of research that typically goes into games, especially if it's going over like a topic that you may have not been super familiar with before. And I've come across interesting tidbits and fun facts. Have you recently come across any of those that you might like to share? Fun facts with... Like any any research or fun facts that you found while designing games? Oh, uh, I did some heavy research, some of the early stuff with uh, a game we have, Sonoda. Mm-hmm. It's a abstract strategy, but people were all talking about Kingmaker and, um, you know, uh, how somebody can, in a three-player game, the player who's losing can just pick who's the winner's going to be. Mm-hmm. I researched that quite a bit, and I was like, wow, I know this is a thing, but to me, it's not, like, that's part of the game. Like, make sure you don't let that happen, or make sure you're on good terms with the guy who's going to make the king. Yeah, play with people who you want to play with. Don't play with somebody who's just going to mess up the game to mess it up. Or be play the game enough in the right way that he'll mess it up in your favor. <laughs> Think ahead, knowing that that person's going to be a kingmaker. <laughs> so yeah, but this is interesting on how these things can happen, and so uh, we changed the scoring a little bit to help with that, but we didn't change it to just say that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that research was very cool. I like the research there. Uh, just gave a little incentive to spread your attacks around. Yeah, so you're sure. not just uh, trying to wipe one guy off the board and make yourself a giant. That target. one guy can then go, oh, I'll just not play then, right? <laughs> just a little incentive there. Uh, another thing with Sonoda that was interesting was um, we have this mechanism. So when you capture a, a die in that game, you move the die around the board. But when you capture a die, you get the points of that die. Mm-hmm. And the number on that die also gives you more movement. So as a player, you want to increase your die to get the more movement, more flexibility, but you also become a bigger target. Mm-hmm. Mm. So okay. let's say I'm playing and I have a certain score, but you know because of the score you've already obtained that if you lower your dice low enough and I was to kill them all, I still can't win. <laughs> you know, Because you have a certain score, you lower your dice all down to ones. If I kill all those ones... You know, my three points add four ones doesn't beat your what four that doesn't beat your twelve or whatever ten whatever right? Yep. So we're like, oh, how do we fix this? How do we fix this? Well, some t- big learning curve for me is you don't necessarily have to fix it. That could be just part of the game. That's a win condition. Yeah. So what we did, the game's called Sonoda, and we call that the win by Sonoda. Not everything's a problem. Sometimes it's just a different way to play. <laughs> Yep, like when it, it, I think I mentioned like, it last night. The we we had a game where they, uh, for our Petals of War game, where they destroyed all of what they were to be protecting, so they didn't have anything to come after, and they just were a roving military band at that point. When we'd never done it that way before, but it fit, and it's just like it's not a bug; it's a feature. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bug; it's a feature. I kind of like that. And in the two-player game, you win by Sonoda 
way more than we ever would have thought playtesting. Yeah. And then in the multiplayer game, you don't win by Sonoda very often. Probably, I don't. I might have seen it once with a three-player game. Two but in player, like a six-player, that'd be hard. Two-player variants of games usually end up with a very different gameplay, almost always. They usually end up being way more strategic than even at three players. Right, right. Three players, it gets more social fun. Two players, it's more of a cutthroat battle. <laughs> it's just like, who's going to win first? Well, that game has two sides to the board. One's more open, mm-hmm. and you play two or three players. It's kind of strategic, and like you say, a little bit more cutthroat. But the smaller board, oh my god. How, Scott, my, my business partner, Scott, he's the S in BS game. He, he says it's like... Um, it's like that battle scene in the movie where, like, the movie starts, boom, 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 and then the actual movie starts because all, <laughs> all the death and you know and destruction. Uh, th- that's what happens when you play on the small board with three players. It's like everybody's so on top of each other that boom, and now you've got like three pieces left, and now let's play the game. <laughs> <laughs> Raise the village, and now we will play. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly a good analogy. Good analogy. <laughs> But you can play a three-player on the bigger board, and it plays more like mm-hmm. it would with a two-player on the smaller board. Yeah. Well, I mean, you want to go ahead and plug any information about stuff you have coming up or anything that's currently for sale, things like that? Uh, anybody wants to follow us, they can find us on bsgames.ca. Uh, join the BS Club, and uh, you'll get our newsletter. Uh, there's free stuff on there, free games. Free we have a lighter version good. of the rules for... Uh, Mathematicians Duel, and we just put up social distancing rules for Mathematicians Duel, where nice. you need two copies of the game, but it has a little mechanic in there so that you never have to. If you go to play on your opponent, they'll uh, use these creative rules to use their cards to make that play happen, rather than nobody has to touch each other's deck. Are people going to have to make variants of games to include social distancing rules from now on? Well, we did it, and it's downloadable for free, so. Well, you heard it here first. BS Games is thinking ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of neat on the top because, again, I'm the graphics guy. So I got two wizards there with a line between them, two air, and it says six feet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's cute. It's been great talking with you, Brian. Uh, yeah, wow, not Brian. I Bill. work with a lot of Brians. Bill, it's been nice talking with you, Bill. <laughs> Oh, that's totally cool. I'm sure you have a thousand interviews. It's all it's all great. I appreciate it's, you. It is all good. It's so awesome. Thank you very much for talking to us. All right. Cheers. Thank you for listening to interviews on Between the Pieces with Tank and DPS. See you next time. <laughs>